Hi, this is David Sachs, and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. There's a teaching that I've been sort of like living with, sitting on for a while, and just somehow it was never the moment to say it, but, but this is the moment. So, so here it is. So I saw it attributed to the Shiska Rebbe's explanation of a Zohar on Ashrei. So that might sound a little bit intimidating. That's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of big guns there. David Amelech, a lot of, a lot of big guns. But the, the teaching is actually very straightforward. And it's going to connect to this time of year. It's going to connect to ourselves, body and soul. It's, it's really, the teaching really goes deep. So, so let me share it with you. It's just based on a very amazing observation about the prayer Ashrei. So for those of you not familiar with it, Ashrei is one of the most famous of all the Psalms. And it goes through the, the Aleph base. It goes through the Hebrew alphabet. With the exception, famously, the Gomorrah points out, of the letter Nun. Because that stands for the word nofal, which means to fall. And, but, amazingly, that Nun appears in the line with the letter Samech. Samech is somech noflim. Do you hear the Nun in that? Somech noflim, which means to uplift the fallen. So God uplifts the fallen and... You know, just on a homiletical level, it's like when a person falls, they don't want to be alone. It's so hard for them to be alone. And so it's just so awesome that the word for falling, that's the one word there that gets hugged. Because Samach Reb Shlomo teaches, what's the body-soul language of a hug? You put your arms around someone and you know what you're doing? You're making the letter Samach around them. You're telling them, I'm not going to let you fall. And so when we're the most vulnerable, and that's on this letter Nun, right? Remember, Nun stands for the number 50. 50 stands for either the highest highs or the lowest lows. And, you know, for the lowest lows, boy, do you need the hug. And do you know something? For the highest highs, you, you, also need, you also need a hug. And let me tell you what I mean by that. My father, Oliver Shalom, was a psychologist, practiced for 50 years. And he, he once said, a person never outgrows the need for validation. And I can tell you something. One of the most interesting things in my life being around, having the privilege of being around Reb Shlomo over a period of 18 years, is sometimes he would say a Devar Torah that you're listening to it and you realize he's saying words that are going to be studied forever. I mean, they're of that quality, that magnitude, that level of inspiration. And then a couple of times he came up to me and he whispered in my ear, was that okay? Wow. And... I didn't even know how to answer. But to me, it was such a living example of what my father had taught that you never 
a person never outgrows the need for validation. So, so that's this letter nun. On the bottom, when we're at the lowest, lowest level, boy, do we need a hug and need to be lifted up. But you know something? When a person's at the highest level also, sometimes you think that they're so beyond, they're so beyond, they don't need any more validation. But even, even at the, the 50th level, a person needs validation. I, I, I've seen it. I'm, I, I'm an eyewitness to it in my own life. So, so let's get to the teaching. Again, this is the Pshiska Rebbe. He was the, the Rebbe of, of the Katska Rebbe, of the Chidush Arim. You know, one of, one of the greatest, greatest. In fact, it was the Chidush Arim's, the first Gera Rebbe's yard site this past week. And I saw that he said something very interesting. He says, the Pshiska Rebbe was Ava, love. Now, he was succeeded by the Kutzka Rebbe. He said, the Kutzka Rebbe was Yira. And he said, and he came next as Rebbe. He said, Torah. Torah. So, very interesting because, you know, Torah is the synthesis of both. That, that structure, he's borrowing from the classic structure that Avraham is Chesed, Yitzchak is Yira, and Yaakov is Teferet. But Teferet is also Emes, and Emes is also Torah. So that's, that's the, thins, the synthesis of the, these two branches. And so it's not for nothing that Gera Chesedis is the biggest Chesedis in the world. Okay. By the way, I, I, after I heard that, the next day I was walking... It was just yesterday on Shabbos. I was thinking about that. Just kind of working on it. And then I thought of my own name. My name is David Yitzchak. David actually means beloved. So that's love. And Yitzchak is Yira. So I have in my name Ava and Yira. And that, the Zohar says, is the two wings of the dove. You have to have a balance of both of those things. And... Let me just tell you a, 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 a self-test that, that, that you can do, that you can live with this. I think this is important because, you see, if a dove only has one wing, if a bird only has one wing, let's say you're excelling in love of Hashem, or let's say you're excelling in Yerashamayim, you know, awe slash fear of God. If you only have one wing, do you know if a one-winged bird flaps around, do you know where that bird goes? In circles. <laughs> it doesn't get anywhere. It can't get off the ground. You need both of those elements properly calibrated in order to take flight. So here's a very practical version of what I'm saying that you can do in your own life. If you say to yourself, God loves me so much, he doesn't care if I eat at McDonald's then that means that you need more yira. You need more yira in your life. If, you, if, if a person feels as though God loves me so much, I can do whatever I want, that person needs more yira in their life. They need more structure in their life. If a person feels on the other extreme that, oh my goodness, I just thought the wrong thing, or I just said the wrong thing, or I just did the wrong thing, God is going to kill me or zap me or punish me. That person has 
needs more love in their life. They, they need to balance that out with the understanding that God loves them. And so when you achieve that balance, you'll be able to take flight. And you can constantly monitor yourself. How am I feeling? Am I feeling forsaken? You need more love in your life. You have to understand God loves you to pieces. Am I feeling utterly entitled? If that's the case, you need more year in your life. So, so a person can always make sure that they're balanced and they're flying. Okay. So now let's get back to the Pshiska Rebbe's teaching from the Zohar on Ashrei. Ashrei has this, I would say, hidden structure to it. It's, it's hiding in plain sight because once you know it, it's obvious. But if you don't know it, <laughs> you're unlikely to have figured it out. And that's the fact that every single line in Ashrei is a compound structure. It's a compound sentence. And the evidence of that is that the letter Vav, which means and, it's a conjunction, it's a connector, is in every line of Ashrei. So I'll give you just, I'm just picking a couple of lines at random. Hadar Kavu. That vav is there in every single line. Sometimes it's an u, but an u is still a vav, right? So, so there's one exception. And here's the teaching based on this one exception. It's on the letter kuf. So I'll read it to you in English first. It's one of the greatest verses in all of Tanakh, the entirety of the Torah. Hashem is close to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him sincerely. Bemet. Novav. Novav. So what does that mean? So the, the Pshiska Rebbe explains that when it comes to sincerity, a person has to be straight through. There can't be a vav. There can't be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Sincerity, true sincerity, means that you're one unified element straight through. That your soul is emanating into your body. That I'm not this compound structure of body and soul. You see... Your soul is the inside, and your body is the outside. And your soul is the inside, and your body is the outside. And the question is, what is your relationship with your own body? So the Eish Kodesh asks this question. He says, is your body a covering over your soul? Or is your body an extension of your soul. This is one of the most awesome, awesome teachings there is. Awesome. Again, I'm going to say it one more time. Every person has to ask themselves, is your body a covering over your soul? Or is your body an extension of your soul? And I'll just give you one application of this, and then I'm going to tell you 
why this is so meaningful in a moment. I've been in bed in the morning trying to get the energy to get out of bed. And I've asked myself this question. Is my body a covering over my soul? Or is my body an extension of my soul? And I've, I've, I've said at these times, I want my body to be an extension of my soul. And I've gotten right out of bed. So let me say even deeper, which is that, do you know what happens? Remember, everything in the world has an inside and an outside. Even the world itself has an inside and an outside. I heard from Reb Shlomo that the first six days of, the, of creation, God created, so to speak, the body of the world. And do you know what Shabbos is? The Shabbos is the soul of creation. Shabbos is the soul of creation. When God created Shabbos, he put the soul inside of the world. It's an amazing thing. So everything has an inside and everything has an outside. But you know what happens? If you can think of your body as an extension of your soul, do you know what happens? You turn your outside into more inside. Can you imagine that you have the ability to transform your outside into your inside? This is beyond, 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 beyond. Then you can be what this verse is saying in Ashrei. You can be the definition of sincerity. Because unlike every other line in Ashrei, which has the letter Vav, which is connecting two different parts, two different clauses, and making them one clause, every single letter has that, except the letter Kuf, which is talking about sincerity. There's no break in the action. You're just one straight emanation of your soul. So why am I not exercising if I know I need to exercise? Why? And you can substitute your own word for that. In other words, many of us know we're supposed to do something and we're not doing it. And the question is why? So the Eretz Svi, he was the Rosh Yeshiva of Hachmei Lublin, the most famous yeshiva in the world. He said that it's because you know it in your mind, but you don't know it in your heart. So when I say, I know I need to exercise, the truth is I don't know that I need to exercise. My mind, I know in my mind, but my heart, somehow still says to me, look, you're still around. You can still walk around, still living, breathing, doing your stuff. Do you really need to exercise? You don't really need to exercise. And somehow that is the prevailing truth in my life right now. And the proof of whether you actually know something is if you're doing it. Because if you say you know something, but you're not doing it, you don't really know it because you don't know it in your heart. You know it in your mind, but in the Torah context, which is much more holistic, 
and much more macro, you don't know it because the truth has to be manifest in your actions, which means that your mind and your heart have to know it, then you'll do it. If one or the other doesn't know, usually it's the heart that doesn't know, right? Then it's going to get caught in that vav, that vav which makes you into this compound structure of body and soul, two different entities. I know someone, you know, who's famous, and somehow his name came up in conversation the other day and yesterday, and someone said to me, yeah, he's really a sincere guy. And you know something, for someone being as famous as he is, it's remarkable to be as sincere as he was. But you know something, maybe because I was just like drilling down, and it's like, you know, Shalashudas, that's the third meal. The Zohar calls it Raiva Doraiva. That means it's the apex of the spirituality of Shabbos. It's something that I've worked on for years because Friday night, there's so much singing and dancing. I really feel Shabbos probably the most in a lot of ways Friday night. But Shabbos day is awesome too. By third meal, I'm usually so tired and it's a much smaller group of people together. It's really, I've really been working for years to try to access this idea of Raiva de Raiva, that it's the apex of the spirituality of Shabbos at third meal. But I'm working on it. I'm, I'm making some progress, but I'm working on it. Anyway, perhaps I was in that mode or whatever it is, and this other person says, yeah, this famous person is really sincere. And, and I said, and I said the following. The Chose of Lublin said to his Hasidim, Anyone who doesn't see the Rimen over Rebbe is going to have to give an account. I heard this story from Reb Shlomo. The Hasidim piled into a cart after Shabbos. They came to the Rimen over Rebbe. He was surprised to see them. He says, no, what's going on? They said, the Chos of Lublin said that anyone who doesn't see you during their lifetime is going to have to give an account. And the original Rebbe thought for a moment. He said, when did he say this? He said, this Shabbos. He thought some more. He says, who knows if it's still true? <laughs> so I said to the person across from me, is he sincere? I said, I've known him as a sincere person. Is he sincere right now? I don't know. Maybe. I hope so. These things have to be earned. A person's level has to be earned on an ongoing basis. You, you don't own your level. That, that's arrogance. It's arrogance. Rabbi Wolfson has such a powerful teaching about that as it applies to Amuna. He says, Imagine someone comes up to you, another person, and says, did you eat breakfast? And the person says, no, I ate breakfast yesterday. <laughs> you know, mazel tov. I'm so glad you ate breakfast yesterday, but what does that have to do with today? Breakfast is a today concept. It's not a, it's not a historical. Right? I'll put that same idea in my own words. 
Amuna, faith, is not a couch. A couch, you buy a couch, and now you have a couch. I don't have to buy a, a new sofa every day. That's insane. I have a sofa, that's enough. It's my sofa. Faith is not a sofa. Faith is not a possession. Faith is something that it comes, it goes, it goes up, it goes down. It's something that has to be worked on. It's a piece of clay that has to be kneaded constantly. We're, we're heading toward Pesach right now. There are different ways, you know. You know, matzah is so awesome. Matzah is actually spiritual medicine. That's, that's what all the Rebbe's, all the Kabbalists say. Matzah is, is, and by the way, everybody should know, just in case no one ever told you, 30 days before Pesach, you don't eat matzah. Okay? So just in case, you didn't know. And, and let me tell you, if someone eats matzah, Erev Pesach, right before Pesach, do you know what the rabbis compare this to? It's actually shocking, the, the, the words that they use. It's shocking. They say that it's like a man who has intimate relations with his fiance in his father's house before the wedding. The night before the wedding. In other words, matzah, matzah, is, matzah is not just a piece of food. Matzah is, matzah is deep. Matzah is deep. I'll tell you a, a Torah that came to me. Matzah has the letter tzadi in the middle. Man, the bread that fell from heaven, which was, you know, this totally pure heavenly product. Basically, it was crystallized light. We were eating light, crystallized light. That's what man was. So man, mem nun, is the gematria 90. 90 is the letter tzadi. So you see in the word matzah, the middle letter is basically man, which means to say that the peninius, the inner dimension of matzah, is heavenly light. It's heavenly. It's heavenly. I'll tell you something else about matzah. Matzah, it's so interesting. Like, I rarely ever hear anyone say this. Matzah is something that has to have been able to become chametz, but was stopped from becoming chametz. In other words, matzah is not just something that it is, Matzah is actively something that it isn't simultaneously. It's a realized, it's a realized entity. It's, it's, you see, because there's a way of organizing the mitzvahs of the Torah. There are different ways of organizing the, the mitzvahs of the Torah. One very classic formulation is what we call Mitzvahs ase and mitzvahs lotase. These are the ones that you do, and these are the shalt nots. These are the ones that you don't do. And we have the, the, the human spirit has these twin engines. One is to do, 
and one is to actively refrain from doing. You know, when Aaron Akain lost his two sons, not of an avihu, it says that he remained silent, which is one of the most awesome, awesome, awesome levels anyone's ever achieved. In other words, it's not that he didn't have anything to say. He didn't say it. Sometimes the greatest acts of spirituality are not what you do. It's what you actually actively stop yourself from doing. And so matzah is not just, it didn't rise. No, it, it, it actively didn't rise because it was prevented from rising. So contained within matzah is a blessing not just to do, but also to refrain from doing. Which means you've harmonized your most basic impulses in terms of your soul-body free choice dynamic. Now there's another thing, getting back to this idea that you don't own your level, you don't just possess your level, that, that faith is not a sofa. Like remember the words of the Rimenover Rebbe that we just said. Who knows if it's still true? And what's so awesome about that is unlike me who is talking about someone else, which is a very low level, he was talking about himself. <laughs> and if you think that he did anything wrong between the time that the Chos of Lublin told his Hasidim to come and see him, that anyone who doesn't has to give an account, and the time that they came, if you think that he did anything wrong, and that's why he's saying, who knows if it's still true, you don't even understand the beginning of this story. He didn't do anything. But is he on that same exalted pinnacle moment that the Chosa expressed? That's an insight into a tzaddik's relationship with himself. The Alter Rebbe brings down that from the Gomorrah, when a person is born, they take a vow to be a tzaddik. Each person swears to be a tzaddik, a righteous person. And it says that even if the whole world calls you a tzaddik, don't believe them. Now, by the way, this, bless you, this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean that a person isn't supposed to have tremendous self-esteem. Self-esteem is the engine for growth. Every person needs self-esteem. But to, in modern Hollywood terms, to believe your own press, bye-bye, <laughs> you, are, you are cooked, man. You're cooked. You're cooked. If you, you know... Shakespeare has a great observation. Uneasy is the head that wears the crown. You know, if you look at the careers of people, in really just about all fields, the time that they're happiest is when they were still climbing to the top. That pretty much goes across the board. And once they get to the top, 
You know what their new mindset is? Now I don't want to lose what I have. Now I'm afraid to lose what I have. Uneasy is the head that wears the crown. If you think when it comes to your spiritual development and your time in this world, if you think that you've arrived, this is the greatest proof that you haven't arrived. The sages compare the acquisition of Torah to glass, that you can drop it and it can shatter. You know, the classic explanation of why we stomp under a glass, under the chuppah, everybody knows it because you've heard it a hundred times, which is that at our happiest moments, we're remembering the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. It's true and it's a beautiful teaching. But do you know what the Gomorrah says? <laughs> the Gomorrah has a different explanation of it. You think, wow, well... I'd like to know what the Talmud says about that. I mean, shouldn't we have been saying under the chuppah all this time what the Talmud says about that? The Talmud might also say that about it, but this is something also from the Talmud on it. That a person, now that they're married, has to be really careful what they say to their partner. Because just like you smash a glass, sometimes words leave your mouth that you can't get back. Sometimes words leave your mouth that you can't get back. Like a smashed glass can't be put back together. Interesting warning as the couple heads into a marriage together. Does that mean that I have to be insecure around my husband or I have to be insecure around my, ha- my wife for my entire marriage for the rest of my life? I don't think that's the point at all. I think it just means that you understand that every single moment is new and that you don't take anything for granted. That you're in the now, that you don't, just like you don't own a sofa, you don't own wherever this relationship is. Doesn't mean people don't make mistakes. People say the wrong things and you can apologize and that's fine and it's all good and you can patch things up. There's always ways if the relationship has a good enough foundation that you can, you know, you can repair it. Absolutely. But to live in that moment that, 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 that time itself is fluid and therefore infinitely precious. You know, they say each moment, each moment that you exist during your lifetime, it was never before and it's never coming again. Next time you get bored and you're just sitting around the house and you're like checking your email for the 90th time, right? I've been there, believe me, many, many, many times, too many times. Remind yourself, this moment right now, when I'm bored out of my mind and I've got nothing to do, is never going to come again in the history of the world. What am I doing with this moment? So... The idea is that we have to constantly work with ourselves, right? And this gets back to matzah. Because remember, matzah can't become a chametz. Chametz is, is, at least in the context of Pesach, chametz, which means leavened bread, as opposed to the flat bread, which is matzah, 
is really like terrible. Like we really don't want it at all. We, we don't want it in our house. We don't even want a crumb in our house. What's what the what the Talmud calls amashahu, which means the tiniest crumb. You know, if if I have a pot of chicken soup and a drop of ham juice falls into my pot of chicken soup, if I have sixty times the amount of chicken soup to that little piece of ham juice, then the whole pot of chicken soup remains kosher. It hasn't become non-kosher because of the ham input. By the way, if there's a tiny piece of ham that I can see with my eye, and there's still 60 times the amount of soup, I have to take out that piece of ham if I can. In other words, if it's recognizable and it can be removed, I have to remove it, even if I have 60 of the good against the bad. Okay? And you can never do it on purpose. In other words... You can say, this is an example of a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Like a person shouldn't come to think, well, you know, ham is very tasty. And if, if I put just a little bit of ham, but I, but, but I keep it under the 60 to 1 ratio, then I'm good. I can cook with ham. So that, that, that's not Torah. That's, that's not the truth at all. Okay? Okay. But the bottom line is, as long as I have, it's called batol b'shishim, as long as I have 60 times the, the toxic, spiritually speaking, element in it, it's still good. Now imagine I have a giant vat of chicken soup, and, I, and I'm cooking it for Seder night, right? This is going to be for Pesach. And one tiny crumb of bread falls into it the entire vat of chicken soup is no good. This is the severity. This is the severity of having bread on Pesach. And it's, of course, called an, an Isser Chorus, where we're taught that someone's soul is cut off. That's what the Torah says. This is the most severe category of, of commandments. You don't want to eat it. You don't want it in your house. Okay. By the way, by the way, 50 days after Pesach, we get the Torah at Mount Sinai, and there's a special offering unique to Shavuos, right? Shavuos is the holiday where we celebrate receiving the Torah. And you know what it is? You bring two loaves of bread to the altar in the Holy Temple. Right? Bread, which was like the most toxic spiritual en entity, energy. In the world, all of a sudden, now I'm able to be a vessel for it and to access it in a healthy spiritual way. You see, because bread is filled with air, which means that I'm filled with a hyperinflated sense of importance and power. And Pesach is all about saying, it's all you got. It's all you got. And I'm building my life based on the fact that it's all you and that you can do miracles at any single moment and change the nature of reality at any single moment. It's you, God, it's not me. 
And once you carve that into your consciousness, it's you, God, it's not me, now you have room for the me. But you have room for the me within the context of the Torah itself, within the context of the commandments itself, which means that there is a me, but it's not all me, because I can do this, but I can't do that. Now there's a me, but there's a me situated within the infinity of God, within the context of truth. The finite relative to the infinite has boundaries. We're in the category of the finite, even though we have a piece of the infinite inside of us. And to be guardians of that infinity within the context of the finite, we need to know what those boundaries are. These are the mitzvahs of the Torah. These are the commandments. But if a person wants to stay that way, and now here's the point I've been getting to. This dough, which I'm going to make matzah out of, which is going to be 1,000% kosher matzah, if I leave it sitting there as dough for a long enough period of time without kneading it, without like taking my hands and my fingers and like really working with that dough, if I just leave it there, that thing which was going to be perfectly kosher matzah turns into chametz. It leavens. Why did it leaven? Because I stopped working with it. Just in case we're not communicating yet. There are people who consider themselves believers. Do you know why? Because yesterday I was a believer. Because <laughs> when I grew up, I grew up as a believer. But have I been working with my heart? Have I been needing my heart? If I haven't, that thing, which may have been glot kosher, turns into chametz. I heard Rabbi Adin Steinsholt say the following thing. Allah Shalom. Amazing thing. You know, all of us, God willing, are on growth trajectories. Which means that we have to take things a step at a time. We can't max out. We can't max out, right? So when it comes to certain mitzvahs, like Pesach, you can max out. You can say, well, I can eat bread. I can't eat bread for eight days. Maybe I'll just not eat bread for five days. Okay, my friend, you have to be a little bit more religious than that. <laughs> okay, you just have to expect a little bit more of yourself than that. I can't get rid of all of this cereal in my house. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you can. Maybe you're selling yourself short. So when it comes to certain mitzvahs like that, you can do it. Just give yourself enough time and you can do it. When it comes to other things, let's say like keeping Shabbos. Shabbos has so many parts to it. And there's so many laws. And it's 25 hours. And it's every week. Mitzvahs like that, you can say, you know something? I'm going to keep Friday night. Or I'm going to go to Shul Shabbos day. Or I'm just going to go to Kiddush. Shabbos you know, after services, just to walk into a shul and be part of the community. All of that is great. 
And you take it a step at a time in the way that's intuitive to you and you ask someone who knows something for a little guidance and things like that. And you can take it slowly. So Rabbi Seinfeld said the following thing. He says that as we grow, there's certain things that earlier in our spiritual life, in our spiritual career, that we did because we weren't ready to do more. Where if you don't need the dough, if you don't keep on working with your spirituality, it turns into chametz. A person has to look at their heart and look at their lives and ask themselves, this thing which was appropriate for me to do five years ago or 10 years ago, is it still appropriate for me to do? Or am I just doing it because I was doing it? I want to situate this conversation in terms of the parshas that we're in right now, because all of this really is started off by this idea that in Ashrei, remember, that in Ashrei, every single letter is a compound, every verse, every letter is a compound structure, has the letter Vav in it, which means this and that, except for Kuf, which is about sincerity, because if a person is really sincere, there is no break, there is no hinge, there is no and. That's just who you are. So I think it's really interesting in terms of the way these parshas are ordered. We've been talking about the Mishkan for a while. Basically, the last five parshas have been about the Mishkan. Truma, Tetzave, Kisisa is not overtly about the Mishkan, but it's the worship of the golden calf. And the rabbis teach that the Mishkan was coming to fix the golden calf. So even Kisisa, then we have Vayakel and Pekude, Five parshas in a row, all about the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the desert. Now, this is going to sound so obvious, I think, when I say it, but it just hit me yesterday, like, wow. Do you know what the next... Now we start a new book of the Torah, Vayikra. Vayikra is all about the stuff that we do in the Mishkan. In other words, it's an uninterrupted flow. Now that we have an ish, a Mishkan... This is what we do in the Mishkan. In other words, it's like soul and body. This is the soul. This is the plan. Now that we have it, now we're doing it. Now it's becoming manifest. This is how I work with those things. I heard it put another way. Very beautiful too. The Mishkan is designed to bring the Shekhinah, to keep the Shekhinah among the Jewish people, God's dwelling presence right, like in the here and now, right, in a really, you know, wonderful way where you can like walk into this tent or this building and just see miracles happening in front of you. That's the building of the Mishkan, bringing the Shekhinah down. But now we have Vayikra, which is what? Shekhinah maintenance. <laughs> Rabbi Green once said that, you know, at the end of all these love story movies where the couple gets married at the end, then the movie ends. And he says, that, that's when I want to watch. I, I, I need to know how they live with each other. Now that they have each other, how do they live with each other? This is what I need to know. So this is Sefer Vayikra. Now that we've brought down the Shekhinah, how do we live with the Shekhinah? 
And why are we bringing korbonos, by the way? Why are we bringing these offerings? So often, there's, I mean, there's like certain very rarefied ones, like the korban toda, which is, God, just thank you, thank you, thank you, just, just thank you, right? But a lot of the offerings are, I did this wrong, I did that wrong, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. All just addressing all these different categories of mistakes that the king makes, that the Sanhedrin makes. You know, after a woman gives birth, she has to give, bring a Corbin. What did she do wrong? She had a baby. Because they say, the rabbis say, you know, a, a lot of times a woman is going to, during the height of birth pangs, of, of like the intensity of, 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 of that experience, is going to say to her husband, I swear you're never going to do this to me again. <laughs> and that requires a Corbin to say, okay, well, you know, maybe we're okay. I mean, there's so many different areas of life where one, but, but, but that is Shekhinah maintenance. In other words, life isn't about never doing anything wrong. It's once we do something wrong and we come face to face with our own imperfection, what is the next step? And I'm telling you, this is, this is one of the biggest teachings in life. Once you've come face to face with your own imperfection, how do you react? What do you do next? Because the answer for most people is, either denial or fleeing. I either run from myself or I pretend that it never happened. So I'm going to say something very practical right now. And again, it's going back to this idea that the verse of sincerity, that God is close to all who call upon him, that is the one verse in Ashray that doesn't have the letter Vav turning it into a compound statement because you're just body going into soul. Soul going into body. You're Mishkan going into Vayikra. You're just that, that fluid thing, right? The next time, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying this is a, a private exercise. This is for everyone and themselves. Okay? This is just between what I'm about to say right now. This is just between you and you. The next time you know this is the right thing to do, whatever it is, it can be something very small. You're supposed to say a Mizonos where you ate the Mizonos, the, the, the after blessing, whatever it is. Or let's say you had a you know, a few cookies, and you didn't say an alamichya, and you're running out of the house, and you're just too busy, whatever. I'm saying it can be something on that level, or it can be something bigger. It can be something more substantial. The next time when you know in your mind that there's a right thing to do, and you're not doing it, take a moment, and ask yourself, why am I not doing it? 
Ask yourself. And this is just between you and you. What is the answer to your question? Maybe it's because it's too hard for me to take on right now. Okay, that's a very legitimate answer. Then start to think, okay, well, how can I break this down into smaller pieces? Right? Like the Alter Rebbe says very brilliantly, you know, if you have a huge, say, slice of a tree, like a big log of wood, if you, if you, can you light that big, thick log of wood with one match? Well, he says you can. Well, wait a second. How can you? That, how? He says if you break it down into small enough pieces, one match will break up, will light that huge log of wood. So when you, if there is a, a, a step or a mitzvah or a challenge that's just like, the reason why I'm not doing it, if I'm going to be honest with myself, is it's just too dang hard right now. So then ask yourself, how can I break it down into smaller pieces? And then sometimes, let's say it's that al-hamichya type of example. You'll say to yourself, because I'm in a hurry. But then you might respond to yourself, but I'm supposed to say it. And how long is it really going to take? Another 30 seconds? Okay, I'll say it. Oh, wow. That was just a victory. What's going to result from that process? You're going to become more real. You're going to become more real. Your body is going to cease to become just a covering over your soul, and your body is going to become an extension of your soul. You're going to get rid of that letter Vav, so to speak, which is like a blockage, that compound structure. I'm a little, I'm a little religious, I'm a little not religious. You know, what is this material universe? All it is is condensed light. Like anyone who says they're not spiritual, it's like, dude, that's all you are is spiritual. All you are is condensed spirituality. That's all you are. Well, I guess I'm not doing it because I don't really believe it. Well, why don't I believe it? I've been hanging around with people who believe it for so many years. What is it exactly that I don't believe? Maybe I should talk to someone about that. Maybe they can give me some clarity on it. Okay. Thanks for listening. We do this every week. So join in again next Sunday for a new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.